0: So this morning I want to speak about robust faith, or some people would say robust, I'm still not sure which pronunciation is correct, I'm saying robust, robust faith, is that fun? Beautiful. Because this, this week I was talking to someone and I said, I think it's robust, and that just threw me a bit, so I actually went home and I'm like, Mariska, is it robust, or is it robust? So we're going to go robust, anyway. Yeah, <laughs> potatoes, potatoes, right? Anyway. So, I'm going to speak about robust faith. Um, and the word robust, just want to kind of give a definition for us. Robust means when something is strong and healthy, when it's vigorous, which I don't know what that meant, that means full of energy or full of life, and in some con- contexts, it can also mean to be fighting fit, so to be fighting fit in some, like in a match or something like th- that, to be strong and healthy and full of energy, full of life. So that's what robust means. And um, so this morning, robust faith. So just coming from a place of God, wanting us as believers to have a robust faith, a faith that's strong, that's healthy, that's full of life, that's fighting fit. You know, Jeff spoke last week about overcoming a faith that's, that's fighting fit in overcoming the things that, that, that happens to us. Um thanks. <laughs> um yeah, and God wanting us to have a faith that's not rooted in feelings, you know, like it's so easy to to root our faith in feelings, how we feel, that's not rooted in a culture around us, because that just I mean that's going nowhere slowly. Um it's not rooted in experiences or any false gospels, and I'll speak about false gospels a, a bit later. But just that thing of experiences, you know, like sometimes we all build our faith and the way we think in our theology on an experience that we've had of God. Now, experiences with God is obviously amazing, and we pray that we have experiences with God. But we cannot build what we believe in our faith and our theology around one experience. And actually, God wants us to have more experiences, you know. And sometimes we all root our faith in experiences, you know, we've, we've had with God. Like, it's great to testify, and it's great to speak about what God has done, you know, maybe five years ago, or 10 years ago, or 15 years ago, and that's great, and we can share, and we can encourage one another with that, but actually, God wants us to have more experiences. Um, and sometimes we, yeah, we root our faith in, in, in that. Um, yeah, so the question is why? Why does God want us to have a robust faith? And I, I mean... The Bible is full of why, the wise, but just two scriptures that I actually just want to focus on. The one is Hebrews 11:6, which you all, I think, know, and it says, and without faith, it is impossible to please him. Him is God. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he reward those who seek him. And in the other scripture, 1 Peter 1:7 says, yes, you, you're quick, Charlie, I like it, thanks. So we are going to look at this kind of passage of Scripture later, but I just want to highlight this verse for now. So it says, So that the genuineness of your faith, which is more precious than gold, that perishes though it is tested by fire. So there's something of our faith in God's eyes actually being more precious than gold. And there's also something about we can't draw near to God without faith. So it's important to know that God loves it when we have faith, God wants us to walk in faith, and God will do stuff in and through us when we do walk in faith. So, to, to have a healthy, robust faith that's uncorrupted is so important, just with our walk with one another, actually, and in our in our relationship with Him. Um, yeah, we have to have faith. That's, that's what I'm trying to say. God is looking for hearts that wants to walk with and please Him, and we do that by walking in faith. Um, Now, the way that God builds faith, so we all, I mean, sometimes, you know, like when we say, oh, we need faith, we all say, yes, we need faith, and it sounds great, but as soon as we start talking about how God builds robust faith in us, it becomes a bit of a different story. How does God build robust faith in us? Who knows? (laughs) (laughs) If only, but I mean, he uses that. (laughs) Yes, through Charles through suffering, through pain, through tribulations. That is what the Bible says. It's not great to hear because we're in a culture that we want everything easy, stuff just needs to happen, you know, we want stuff at the click of our fingers, and we want stuff now, but biblically, God always builds robust faith in people through trials, tribulations, sufferings, pain, and in some cases, persecution. So you still amped for robust faith. <laughs> um, yeah, this is the um, the biblical way. So I'm gonna kind of mention three things this morning, but as as I talk, I just want you to like the, the lens that we should view this out of is God built robust faith through difficult times and through trials, tribulations, pain, etc. Okay. So the first way, the first way that God God builds robust faith in us, again, through difficult times, is in, in this way. We build with people, but we always build to God. So when we go through difficult times, that is when God builds robust faith in us. But it's super important, like we miss it sometimes, because sometimes when life gets hard, we build towards people and not to God. So we build with people but not two people, if, if that does make sense. Because um, it's, it's obviously easier to, to bold two people, you know? Because sometimes it, when it's difficult, we do want people to solve our problems and, and to tell us what to do and give us the next 10 steps in, in, in how to get out of this. The Bible calls us to love one another. And the, I, like for me, I think the, loving, the most loving thing that we can do one another is actually to go, well, what does God tell you? Well, what is the Holy Spirit telling you? And actually, what does the, the Bible say about whatever? So we must always point people to, to Jesus. We, we, don't, we, we cannot build towards ourselves or even towards other people. Because in the end, that's actually a false gospel, and that's actually not rooted in true faith. And the destruction can actually be quite, quite hectic, because then you're building on a foundation that's not actually Jesus. So we build with people. Thanks. I love it. Just keep on shouting out. That's... Yeah. <laughs> so, we build with people, always with people. That is the way that God wants us to build. We, we, we're not lone rangers, but we build to Jesus. Um, yeah, so when we go through hard times, God builds robust faith in us as we build to Him, as we seek, and as we cling to Him. Because ultimately, that's the only thing that we can actually do when we go through difficult times. Um. So it's, it's, you know, I just don't want to miss, Yeah, you know, people must not, um, don't hear what, what I'm not saying. It's important that we encourage one another, that we love one another, that we pray for one another, that we come alongside one another, that we sometimes rebuke one another, that we pray for one another, we do all that stuff, but we always, as we do that, we always point to Him, point to Him. Um, if you look at Hebrews 12, verse 1, it starts with therefore, let's just stop there. What do we need to do when a chapter starts with therefore? We go back. (laughs) We go back to what it's talking about. Um, And the chapter before Hebrews 12 is Hebrews 11, which is the chapter on what? Who knows? Chapter on faith, eh? Yes. Um, So this whole chapter in Hebrews 11, you can actually, you don't have to put it up yet, Charlie, sorry, you're too quick for me. Um Hebrews eleven, this whole chapter is about men and women that are examples to us who had robust faith, who had to endure and, and push through and and, and things like, like that. Um so I mean, you know, I didn't like we, we're not gonna read this, but just some examples. If you read Hebrews eleven, it speaks about um where is it now? But, uh, it speaks about verse 8. I mean, I'll, you, know, you can go read this, but I just want to give some examples. It says in verse 8, By faith Abraham, when he was called, obeying by going out to a place which he was to receive for inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. So you had to address faith, right? He was very secure, very rich, um, doing his thing, and then God calls him to go to a, a land that he doesn't know. And that's faith. He had to do that by faith. Um, if we go... Uh, where is it, uh, also verse 17, I just want to use Abram as an example. By faith, Abram, when he was tested, faith tested, offered up Isaac, and, and he who had received the promises was, off, was offering up his only begotten son. And that's just important to know. So God promised him um, descendants that's more than the sons of the sea, and it was going to happen through his son. But then God goes, I actually want you to sacrifice that son through whom the promise is going to come, which is hectic. Just imagine God promises you something, and you believe it, and you're walking in faith, and then God actually goes, well, actually, I want you to actually kill that promise, you know, which is, I mean, that's, you need to have robust faith for, for that, you know, and then it says, um, where is it now, and then verse 19, Abraham considered that God is able to raise people even from the dead, from which he also received him back as a type, so Abram was saying, God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to yield and surrender. Even though this doesn't make sense, I actually believe that you can raise him from the dead. And even if you don't, it's okay. Which is hard, right? And then, um, yeah, I'll just go, go read that. And then if you just, now, surely. <laughs> Thanks. Um, and then towards the end of the chapter, it goes, and what? So he gives all these examples of people who had to live by faith, who had robust faith, who endured a lot. And then he goes. And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of all those examples: Gideon, Barak, Samson, Joseph, David, Samuel, the prophets, who through faith, through faith, conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouth of lions, quenched power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight, women received back their dead by resurrection. And then, that sounds glorious. I mean, we all want to conquer armies. We all want to, you know, walk in what God has for us. But some of them were tortured. Some of them refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with a sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats destitute, afflicted, mistreated, whom the world was not worthy. So that is God's perspective. So God is going, these people had robust faith. They followed me until the end. And actually, they are so precious in my sight that the world is actually not worthy of them, which is, I mean, don't you all want God to say that of us? Wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth, and all these through, commended through their faith did not receive what was promised. Is that, oh, uh, is there another verse there? Sorry. <laughs> that was a bit, oh no, that's it. Um, oh, see, then it says, sorry, verse 40 as well. Sorry. Sorry, it's fine. I'll, I'll read it. Sorry. I didn't give it that. Because God had provided something better for us, so that apart from us, they would not be made perfect. So even some of these people walked in faith their whole lives, but they didn't see the promises God had for them, which is hectic. You know, I mean, they're glad now, obviously because now they seem him face to face. But just this is a, like these people had robust faith. They had to endure through so many things. And then we get to Hebrews 12, which starts with, with therefore. So therefore, so because of all these examples, since we are surrounded by so a great cloud of witnesses, all these people that live by faith that are examples for us, Let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance, endurance, the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, we bow to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith before the joy that was set before him endured the cross and in despising shame and seated at the right hand of God. So just as we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, we as a body must surround one another and we must continually point each other to to jesus going we have your back we've got you we're praying for you we're supporting you we're helping you practically or financially or spiritually whatever it is but pointing each other to jesus just like these people are pointing us to um, jesus we we can't afford to build two people we build to jesus but we build together we build with each each other does make sense um you know like these last three months like yeah I think the majority of you know we've been through a tough time started a new job which was hectic we moved and then Lana came eight weeks early and then it was like like a month in ICU up and down up and down and we wouldn't have made it um, we wouldn't have made it if it wasn't for people like there were times where it was just too much but I'm so grateful just for people that loved us I mean Donna was born the Friday night, the Friday evening we had a, we had a meal from, from uh, one of you. Then we had like meals for two weeks, freezer meals. We're still eating from the freezer meals. I mean, if it wasn't for people, we wouldn't have have gone or actually made this, this, this hectic time. But I'm so grateful that people just continually pointed us to, to Jesus. Because if, if it wasn't for that, we would build on each other actually, and that's actually a false gospel. We can't build on one another. It's not sustainable Someone's going to disappoint you. It's just not sustainable. So we build with people, and we need to build with people. So the first point, we build with people, but to God. Awesome. And then, um, number two, God tests the genuineness of our faith. So if we look at 1 Peter, 1 verse 9, 1 to 9, Thanks. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, those, okay, and then it goes, sorry, just go to verse three. Uh, okay. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while. And I just want to say that little while, if you read the easy commentary, it means your life. (laughs) A little while does not mean two or three months or a few years. In the greater context of things, of eternal life, a little while actually means your life. So, just FYI, for a little while if necessary... You have been grieved by various trials, so that, the, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes through its tested by fire, fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So there is something of God through pain, suffering, trials, tribulations, testing our, the genuineness of our faith. And one morning recently, as we went through this, um, I actually read the scripture, so someone, I was speaking to someone, and, and then he actually mentioned, like, like God wants to take your faith out of feelings into him, and that just kind of prompted me to just go read scriptures on faith, just to see what the Bible says about faith, and I came ac- across this scripture, and that word genuineness really stood out for me, and I went, Lord, like, what does that mean? What does it mean if you test the genuineness of our faith? What makes a faith genuine or not ungenuine, not genuine. I don't know what the opposite of genuine is, but not genuine. And he reminded me of a, of a series Andrew Selle did when lockdown, I think it was the second lockdown, just started. We did a series, Uncorrupted Faith. I don't know if people remember that. Amazing series. It's on 412. If you, wanna, if you want stuff to, to listen to, go listen to that. that that's really amazing. Um, and Andrew just speaks about things that corrupt our faith. And God reminded me of, of that, and that word genuineness. Like, God just actually told me, like, He wants to take everything out of us um, that's not built on Him, where our faith is not built on Him. Things like promises, things like, I mean, I am going kind to of qualify just as now, so don't, but things like Scripture, actually, uh, things like um, God's abilities or His provision, and um, experiences. We spoke about experiences, how we sometimes build our faith on experiences that we've had. Or any other false false gospels. Now these things look spiritual and we say the right stuff, but actually, they actually grew up our faith. Because, like, when we so when we build our faith not on God, but actually on promises or even on scripture, sometimes we take scripture out of context, or we take a promise in the Bible out of context. So it's it's different when God speaks to you through his Holy Spirit and he gives you a promise. I'm not talking about that. That's personal. But sometimes we just name and claim promises in the Bible without looking what they mean for who it was, what the context is. Sometimes we will stand on scriptures, which doesn't actually apply to what we are going through. And that actually corrupts our faith because then we actually believe that, that scripture that promise more than what we actually trust God for. Now, it's different, I just want to clarify this, it's different when God speaks to you. So if God gives you a scripture or he gives you a promise out of the word, personally, that's different. But sometimes we just name and claim stuff without actually knowing what it means, and that actually corrupts our faith. Um, God's abilities or his provision, you know, the reality is, sometimes God's not going to come through like the way way that you thought he's going to come through. Sometimes he's not going to heal. Sometimes he's not going to give you the finances that you wanted. And to, you know, to name it and to claim it and to say by faith, I mean, we can trust the Lord. God does heal and he does come through. He does. He does. But he, he, he doesn't always do it. So he can heal, he can provide, but he, he doesn't always do it. And in that moment, what is our faith built on? Is it still built on God, even though he doesn't do what we thought he's, he's going to do? Or is it in actually on his abilities or his... His um, provision or whatever it is. Does that make sense? Did I... Is that fine? Okay. Um, False gospels. Sometimes we believe lies, like like the devil comes and he poisons our faith. You know, sometimes the devil comes head on and we see, you know, him for for what he is. But sometimes he just comes very subtly and he poisons our faith. We believe lies or we ground our faith in, in, in stuff that's not actually of the Lord and that actually corrupts our faith. Um... Our faith should be in a good, loving Father. He is good, and He is loving, but He can do whatever He wants. And sometimes, He's not going to... I don't want to shout hard, guys. This is actually encouraging. <laughs> Sorry. Um, but sometimes, He's, he's just not going to do what we want Him to do. You know, like, sometimes our faith is almost like a one plus, plus one equals two. So, if I do this, if I claim this, or if I believe this, then I'm going to force God to do that, which is what I want. But God doesn't work like that. Like God, like he's good and he's loving and he holds us in his hand, but sometimes he's he's not going to do what we want him to do. We can't bend his arm to have the outcome that we want. So God wants us to have a faith in him, in him alone as a good, loving father, who ultimately he's loving, but ultimately he does whatever he, he wants and he always does it for his plans, his purposes, and ultimately for his glory. Um, and I just want to say something that, that I've learned, uh, like, um, the, the answer to most of our questions when it comes to going through difficult times, to God not doing what we want him to do, or what we we're even hoping for him to do, the answer to most of those questions is actually yield and surrender. Yield and surrender. God wants hearts that's yielded to him, that's surrendered to him, and that ultimately trusts him and have faith in him, irrespective of, of the outcome. Because that's how we build humil- humility in us when we can't control things or when we don't get the outcome that we want. And we yield and we surrender to him and just say, God, even even if I can't see it at, at this stage, you are a good loving father, and I can trust you and I'm gonna yield and I'm I'm gonna surrender to you. I actually feel like right now, I mean, I hope this works, but right now, I actually just feel, let's just actually take like a minute or two, we are going to possibly have a response time later, but this is this is such a, I think it's such a key moment because we build on, on foundations that's not Jesus, and then God wants to test the genuineness of our faith, and then sometimes we actually don't understand that. So let's just ask the Holy Spirit, just for a minute or two, we're just going to kind of... Um, Go quiet and then let's just ask the Holy Spirit if there's anything that you've built your faith on that's not Him. Actually, just to come and show you, and then um, we can trust Him just to shift your heart, uh, and we will have response some later. I just don't want to carry on and then actually we, we miss this. Yeah, so let's just take a minute. Holy Spirit, I pray that you'd come right now. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you just come search our hearts, Holy Spirit, and just come show us where we've built on, on things that, that is not you, God, on promises or even scripture or your ability or your provision or any false gospels that we've built our faith on Jesus that's not ultimately you. Come show that, Lord. Come show us where our faith is not genuine. Come, Holy Spirit, just come work in our hearts. Awesome. So you know, as I say, we will have some response time later, and oftentimes, God deals with this stuff as you walk in Him. He can do it in a moment, but sometimes stuff is quite deep, and God needs to actually process us, and we actually need to process with other people. That it takes a while to kind of work out, but it's just good to identify some some areas. Um, yeah, you know, God uses difficult times and things don't go our way to test and to purify our faith. To show what, is, what parts of our faith is genuine and, and what is not genuine. Um, if we have a look at Romans 5. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through Him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. More than that, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame because because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who have been given to us. Can you just go back to the to verse three and four, thanks, Charlie? So I mean, there's there's nothing like a bit of a character test uh, to show us what what we believe, right? When uh, when we go through things and our character gets tested, like. You know, how you speak to your wife, or how you speak to your husband, or how you treat your dog, or how you, you know, treat other people when we're under pressure. Um, and, yeah, you know, I spoke to a friend this week, um, his wife, she has tongue cancer, and they had to cut quite a large part of her tongue out, unfortunately. And then, um, you know, they waited a few weeks, and then and the, this past week, you actually found me saying, like, they sent... I don't know, a piece of a tongue, or whatever, away for tests. And he actually came back, and they actually have to take out more of, of the tongue, which is hectic. And he loves the Lord, they love the Lord, and he's been praying for a healing. And he actually told me that are actually re looking, what does the Bible actually say about healing? Does God still heal today? And stuff like that. And I, I just thought, you know, like, like in times of, of crisis, like our convictions are actually tested, and it actually shows us what we believe or, or what we don't believe, actually. Um, so we must, Yeah, it's difficult sometimes, when times are tough, that is the way that God tests our convictions to actually see what we're actually building on, you know? Like, them with healing, they believed God was going to heal, and they believe in healing, they've seen healing, but God is not healing his his wife, and now he goes, well, actually, where do I actually stand with this, you know? Do I actually believe God still heals? And sometimes he's uh, not going to heal, um, and, and then, Again, it's a thing of yielding and surrendering, going, God, you are still a good, good father. You still love me, even though you're not going to heal me necessarily. Do we, do we pray for healing? We, we definitely pray for healing. God still heals, but sometimes He uh, doesn't. Um, and then it says there, and character produces hope. And that hope, like, that, like when I read the scripture, I'm like, well, God, what is that, that hope? That, that, what does that mean? So I can understand. How suffering leads to endurance, how endurance leads or produces character in us, you know, Jesus, godly character. But actually, how does that character produce hope? And that, I couldn't understand that. And the Holy Spirit just revealed to me that hope is being with Him one day. That hope is in an eternal hope. You know, just going, God, it's difficult now. You know, like, you're testing me. Like, things are not always going like... The way that I hope it's I'm going to go, but thank the Lord, one day I'm going to see you face to face. That my salvation, ultimately, my life is secure in Your hands, and that that is robust faith. Is going, Jesus, I can't wait to see you. I know for a little while, which is our lives, I have to endure, but I'm going to see you. I've hoped that one day I'm going to see you face to face. Um, And then number three, we endure a life of suffering, but we know our lives are secure in the goodness of of God. So if we just, sorry, can we just put Romans 5 on on again? Thanks. Um, So it says, more than that, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, endurance produces character, character produces hope. And then it says, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. So that is good news, right? We can have, we can know God's love. How amazing is that? Like we can know the love of the Creator, His, like we can know Him personally, we can know His, His love personally. And that's good news. So when we go through sufferings, when, you know, God, when we go through sufferings and he, Produces endurance and he produces character, and he shifts our heart from this world to to eternal. Like, and after all that, we can actually just still know his love. We are secure in his love. That is good news, right? If we have a look at 1 Peter 1, verse 9. Sorry, Charlie, I'm jumping around here. Just go, sorry, just go to, just you can go to verse, no, no, to verse 3, I think. Um. So it says, Blessed be God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope, that hope, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. And then verse 6 In this you rejoice. When you go through trials and suffering. What is that? What is in this you rejoice? It's in our inheritance. Like, like when we go through sufferings. We must remind each other and ourselves that. This is not, this is not great now. and we, We're going through difficult times. But I'm a son and, and a daughter in his house. I have an inheritance that's undefiled. Can't go away. That's been kept in heaven for me. I'm a, a heir. I don't know how to pronounce that, with Jesus Christ in God's family. I'm part of his family. He's accepted me as one of his own. Do we deserve to be accepted? Do we deserve to have God's love poured into our hearts? No, we don't, because we're sinners. (laughs) But because of Jesus, because of us walking in faith, because we look to to a world not yet seen, as they speak of in Hebrews 11, we actually go, oh, God thank you, thank you, thank you that I can know your love. Thank you that there's an inheritance waiting for me one day that the world can't take away. You know, God might take loved ones. He we, we might take our health. He might take our finances. But, he, but that is our promise. That inheritance will never fade. And that is good news. That is, we ground ourselves in that. And out of that place, we go through suffering and we go through trials and we endure it and we we yield, and we surrender, and we ask God to build robust faith in us. Um, Yeah, yeah, I think this, I I didn't plan this, but I think um, it's just important to also sometimes acknowledge that sometimes um, things are not going to go our way, but sometimes we just have to acknowledge that things didn't work out the way it did and we can be sad about that you know sometimes we lose people sometimes bad stuff happens you know sometimes our businesses fail or, or whatever happens and to not go I didn't have enough faith I should have trusted the Lord or I should have stood on this promise or I should have done that but actually to go God this is this is not great and I'm heartbroken and embrace that, and then just go, God, but I'm still going to trust you. You are still a good, good father. Someone this week mentioned this, um, this quote from John Piper, and this is how it goes. It says, Occasionally, weep deeply over the life you hoped would be, because we all hoped for certain things in life. Grieve the losses, then wash your face, trust God, and embrace the life you have. And that embracing the life our, we have is yielding, surrendering, and asking God just to come build robust faith in us. So it's, it's good to acknowledge when, when or to grieve rather, when things didn't go our way. Or when God didn't come through that like the way we expected. And we grieve, and we process, and we pray, and we, we invite people into that space, and then we move on. And then you go, God, I'm still going to, to trust you. Years ago, we, we lost a baby boy, and then we, we went for some, some counseling. And then the lady gave me this kind of this card, and it says, So we were speaking about the goodness of, of God and how God is still good, even though bad stuff happens. And she said, So this is what she wrote down living in the constant expectation of good because God is good. So even if we can't see God's goodness, that doesn't change the fact that he's good. He remains good, and we always live in that expectation that he is good, even if we can't see it.